0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the QAD Customer Podcast. If you have not already, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts under QAD Customer Podcast. I am so excited for you all to learn from the expertise of Keith Steele from Meyer Plastics. This episode is part of a series of interviews with QAD users. This podcast is presented by PixDocLive, a longtime partner of QAD, providing automation software for the back office. Be sure to check out our webinar series on doclibwebinar.com. Enjoy this jam-packed episode with Keith Steele of Meyer Plastics. Now, from what it sounds like, I'm assuming that you're, you know, having these internal conversations with the various stakeholders in the decision around this purchase or in the negotiation and you're making an outline of what you your colleagues your executive team uh, the must-haves and the would like to haves and you're approaching the vendor with this list i'm assuming you're not necessarily disclosing this list up front you know deleveraging your position but it's informing how you approach that conversation and how you direct the conversation with the vendor, I'd assume. So how do you go about sort of disclosing that information and using that list to direct the conversation?
1: Exactly. Uh, for instance, and it's several years ago now, but you're a lot of folks will remember GM. When they came out, And they essentially said, we want to have 5% cost savings across the board. And we want to do that year after year. Well, as most people figured out, you can do that pretty, I don't want to say easily, but you can get there first year, second year. But once you start going through, you quickly realize, hey, we're into some serious cutting now. And then it gets down to a sustainability question. For a supplier in that particular case now if you follow that up with a model that Toyota took a few years later was they wanted price cutting across the board but they offered to help the supplier to get there and help the supplier to figure out the way for them to get what they needed well It wasn't punitive at that point. At that point, it was more of a team attitude, a teamwork project. So what you've seen is people start to break away from strictly looking at a number and a percentage and actually start asking, how do we get there? And that's essentially what what I do is when I go into negotiation, Of course the goal is to win the negotiation for my company to get what we have to have. But I'm more than willing to help a supplier figure out how to help us. Because a true negotiation isn't where you have a winner and loser, one side takes all. True negotiation is where you go in and you work together yes you want to get the things that you have to have but you want to come out of it with more of a lifelong business relationship to the point you don't want that supplier of course to lose their job but you don't want that supplier to dodge your calls when you uh, call and say need help or or need to talk with them if you have beaten people down that bad in a negotiation then there's really not a lot of room left so you're you're going to affect your relationship
0: so it sounds like there's a little bit of a line to walk here especially like you mentioned beating up the organization too much really leads into a lower quality long-term relationship so there's likely a bit of a line to walk here and sort of a tension between what the company wants to achieve out of the relationship, what the supplier wants to achieve as the selling agent, and then sort of what the long-term relationship might look like after you initiate this relationship. So what ways have you done that well, and how do you approach you know, that conversation given those three situations?
1: What I have seen and what I've looked at is you have to look strictly at the value and the benefits. So as far as when you're done, when you're going back over the negotiation, going back over your notes, what you're looking for is did the negotiation or did the opportunity bring value? If it did, did it bring value to both organizations? Did it bring value to just one organization? when you look at the benefits, is this negotiation going to benefit both sides, both companies? Or is it only going to benefit one? If the answer is that there's only value and there's only benefit to one side, then that's not going to be a sustainable negotiation. So the companies that I've worked worked with and the way that I've structured the negotiations I've done is, let's say that we want a particular price. And I know that here's where we really have to be, and we can't do any more. Well, if I just go in there and say, yeah, we need this for this price, well, it's pretty cut and dry. And the spider's going to look at that, and they're going to say, I don't think we can get here. Or they may look at it and say, yeah, we can do that. But what I've done is I've either alienated them to where they have no room to get to where we have to be. Or I've left money on the table by basically setting a number. And then maybe they get a better price than I think they do. And now, yeah, they'll sell it to us for that. But we're not getting the best deal. So, the companies that I've seen be successful as far as with their methodology is the companies that essentially are negotiators that go in and and work and find out where those comfort zones are. No problem in shooting out a prospective number to get an idea, even though you're not shooting out the number that you necessarily like have to get to. But you're trying, you're seeking information. So once you get through that, then you can start to work on it and say, okay, how can we do this? And at that point, if we can figure out how, then that brings a lot of value and it can actually bring value to both sides. So those are the opportunities that you're really looking for.
0: This part really reminds me of a quote. I forget who... The quote is from, but it basically goes, judge a man by the quality of his questions, not by the quality of his answers. And I think it speaks to what you're mentioning here in seeking information, but not necessarily putting somebody on the hot seat and just drilling them with tons of questions or anything like that. So how do you approach question asking in the context of a negotiation and in seeking information from your potential supplier?
1: Well, the way that I I look at, at asking questions is you can either go through the front door or the back door. So many times people will really pay attention or guard that front door, but they don't watch as carefully the back door. So I'm going to basically try to get the information without just coming right out and making a statement. And I'm gonna do that through asking a series of questions, all leading up to that one answer. If folks are familiar with Hopkins, he calls it assume the sale. Well, you can also get there from a buying side. So if you have discussed all the different characteristics, and now we get to the point where we need to make a decision, it's a lot easier if we've already answered all those questions coming up to that point. So we've actually led or directed to the point where there's really not several different answers. There's either one answer, yes, we want to do it, or there's another answer, no, we don't. But it's not going to be because we haven't discussed and brought out all the information that we needed to make that decision.
0: How have you seen sellers offer information to you and your team in valuable ways?
1: Well, a lot of it, when you first sit down, to negotiate, of course, you've already started that process. You already have background on them. But I want to find out about their companies. A lot of people will talk about things about their companies that will help me from a leverage standpoint. So I'm looking at it, and if they're saying how something is messed up or not the way it should be, then they're actually giving me some really good information to use in that negotiation. And they will do it about their customer service. They'll do it about their computer system. Uh, If you can really get their confidence, and of course, salespeople, that's one of the things that they focus on. But if you can get their confidence and get them actually talking about something totally different than the product or project that they've came in there for. We're just simply small talking at that point. Then you can make either your mental notes or you can jot some things down, but you'll actually use that information later on because when you're looking at the value and the benefit and you know that they're struggling in an area or they're not as happy in an area, then that really helps you as you're looking at ways for them to to benefit or to help you. So, if, let's say for instance, customer service is a major concern of that salesperson, and they basically share with you, yeah, when you're reaching out, you're calling Arizona, you're you're contacting Arizona, but our plant. It's over in this facility or maybe another country. We have a major issue with the communication between the two and it messes up in customer's orders. Well, I'm going to use that in my negotiation, of course, for price, because now we have some concerns, but I'm also going to try to break it down and think of some ways that we can help within our account for that customer service concern. So a lot of that is just in those beginning stages of your negotiation. And then of course, that comes back to knowing your audience because a lot of times I'm noticing that salespeople really don't spend much time finding out things Uh, about a company or an individual. And so when they come in, they want to get straight to what we're supposed to talk about that day. And you leave a lot of information on the table when you do that. And of course, you put people in a situation where sometimes they just can't do it. So I just like to spend a little bit of extra time getting through the information gathering stage because I am going to use it in my negotiation. and It is going to help us.
0: So I wanted to double click into one comment that you made a little bit ago here around note-taking. How have you found effective ways to take notes and what sorts of things are you looking for in these types of conversations when taking notes?
1: Yeah. Note-taking is, you're right, note-taking is a little tricky, so that's a great question because, ultimately, the concern is if someone's giving you really good information that they probably shouldn't give you, and, of course, you're whipping out your your notepad and, and writing it all down, that person's going to freeze up on you typically, so... You can either set it up in a general instance to where at the beginning of the meeting or negotiation, you say, hey, by the way, I'm going to take some notes. Uh, If there's something, of course, that we talk about you really don't want me to write down, that's fine. But don't know what that would be, but I'm going to take some notes. You can come out and be that as straightforward, that way there's no shock that you're writing anything down because you've already told them up front. But anything that is really uh, a good leverage point, you probably want to keep that in your head. I, I would not write that down in front of a supplier. I may take a break and write some information down. But other than that, as far as in front of them, there are things that are very pertinent that I I just don't do that. I just don't write that down in front of somebody. But as far as general notes, I tell them right up front that I'm going to be taking the general notes. And in that way, that's up to discretion. What's a general note and what is something that, you know, is a little bit more than that? Well, if I've been taking notes and taking notes, they're not going to think that much about me writing down another note. But if it turns into a gotcha point, then they're not going to feel comfortable. They're going to clam up on you, and that's the worst thing that can happen. So that stuff you can't write down in front of them. Because ultimately what you're trying to do is you want to gain people's confidence. So if you put them in a situation where they don't feel comfortable about the information that they've given you because maybe they've said too much, the last thing in the world you want to do is write that down and uh, have them say, man, I'm not saying nothing else. So uh, can get defenses, but that's that's just the ways that I overcome that.
0: So switching gears a little bit in our previous conversation that we had together, you brought me through some of the various positions that you've had in sales and purchasing, which we have talked a little bit here today. And but you also used that as a context to talk through the new generation that's coming into the world of purchasing. And you've taken more of a role of a teacher in your professional and personal life as a referee for various sporting events, but then looking at how do you engage with that next level or generation of purchasers coming into the world and utilizing that team so, how, as a buyer, are you training and teaching these new colleagues of yours? And then, how are you building that team of buyers that is then engaging with potential suppliers?
1: Well, when I've when I've looked at it, whether it's a negotiation or you're putting a team together to to do the job, depending on how many people you're allowed to have, what I look at is you've got to have someone that has a good intensity this is your person in sales they'll call a racehorse this is a driver this is someone who really takes their job very intense and to the point where they're kind of emotional about it people know how intense they are about their job uh, but you need that because that's a driver. That's the one that is going to really focus and maybe even go above the line of what folks would normally do. Now, along with that, you need someone that is very analytical. So you can have all the emotion you want, but if you don't have the numbers to back it up or the information to back it up, it's not going to do you as much good. So now, Again, depending on how many people you can have, this may be one person. But in a perfect world, and what you look for if you're building a team, now I have a person that is a little more emotional, maybe a little more intense. I have a person that's more analytical. Uh, They may or may not be a little more quiet, but they're, they're really hard thinkers. And they're going to make sure that we have all the support information that we need. And then you need that person that kind of wraps that all up. Someone that has a little more calm resolve. but has a little bit more of the experience where they can put things in context that the entire team can understand. So that's where you're looking at. There will probably be differences in ages, but that's where you get into your training. So when you go into a negotiation with a team, if someone does something or says something that really isn't the best, maybe or maybe you wouldn't have said the same thing. But a person that has a lot of experience, has more of a calm result, they're not going to call that out in that meeting or that negotiation. They're going to make a mental note of it or write a little physical note and come back to it. So you have to understand your team well enough to be able to say, and they have to understand you, hey, when this happened, I noticed we went here I would have done this, and you're talking to them more one-on-one or maybe even with your team, depending on if your team is that way, if they feel that that close, but just simply not being judgmental, um, more of a, hey, this is what I would have done or this is what I'd suggest maybe in the future, or were you happy with the way this turned out? So, you know, asking those questions and people having a little more, the last thing you want to do is tear somebody down. So whether you're talking with them individually or you're talking with someone else around, use it as a learning moment and don't make it an embarrassment. Uh, If you get to the point where you're that unhappy, they're probably going to be that unhappy too. So there is so much that you can help people to learn and understand and what they're going to do is they're going to take that information and then they're going to develop
0: their system in their way what would you say that you are out of that list of three types how would you describe yourself
1: it's raining extremely hard here so it's kind of kind of causing some noise yeah i am more the person who i i pretty much stay comprised i I'm a little bit more of the um, experience as far as I've been through a ton of these. If you're talking about a negotiation, but trainings also, I've trained a lot of folks. And so I'm going to maybe work with some things that other people wouldn't just because I understand them. So I'm going to, I I would consider myself maybe, you never want to use the term laid back. But at the same time, I'm going to give people more of the benefit of the doubt. And you have to realize how to, uh, to manage people. One of the things that I don't know that we talked, I spoke the other day, I believe we did, but I was also the president of the National Association of Purchasing Managers for Indiana. It's now ISN. And in that particular role, You're meeting people from several different companies that you're trying to work. And they're all at all different levels of their careers and other positions. And one company does it one way and another company does it another. And they're coming to you trying to get help because they're kind of stuck on something. Well, you've got to be that person that can, number one, listen, and then get to a point where you can get them comfortable and receptive with what you got to say. Once you break it down to what their actual concern or, or issue is, it's usually not not nearly as bad as what they think. But everyone hits stumbling blocks at different times and about different subjects. And so you have to have someone that can kind of wrap that up and be I won't say the shell answer, man, because it's not all answers, but it's very comfortable in that role of talking things through and coming up with ways
0: to help. So how do you, in various situations, how do you make sure that your nerves are in check, that you're calm, that you're able to be present and aware of everything that's happening since there's so much nuance that's important to pick up on?
1: Most of the ways that I do that, as I remember back as I've been going through, whether people talk about it or not, coming up through the ranks, we've all had experiences that were maybe not as good as those experiences that were really good. And so I just kind of take a pause, step back, and remember when I was probably going through a very similar situation at a younger age, And that helps me to kind of turn around. I can remember the things that people did to help me. Maybe I can change that a little bit to help somebody, even maybe a little more. If it didn't help me as much as I had wished it had it back then, maybe I do the exact same thing, or maybe I kind of hold back a little bit, but you have to, you have to look at your past experiences and be extremely honest with yourself. Because otherwise, you're holding someone to a level of accountability that you wouldn't hold yourself to. And that's not fair.
0: Well, Keith, it's been great. I really appreciate everything that we've covered today everything from keeping your nerves in check to quality question asking to how to build a career on both sides of the table, either in sales or in purchasing your insights here are really, really helpful and interesting. And I'm excited for the audience to take advantage of them. Well, Stephen, I've really appreciated
1: the opportunity. It's been great to to work with you. And I'm always happy to do anything I can to help anyone. So if there's something I can do in
0: the future, please let me know. I appreciate it, Keith. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Stephen. Have a good day. Have a good day. Thanks again for tuning in today, everyone. To keep up with our series, make sure you go and subscribe to the QAD Customer Podcast. For those of you kind enough to also leave a review of our podcast, I will be sending out a series of $25 Amazon gift cards. So make sure you head over to whatever platform you consume podcasts and leave a review. Thank you all. Until next time.